0: Hi, I'm the Moroccan Angel, and I'm here to help others set things right with their Maker. Leon Festinger was the first to investigate this theory. It arose out of a participant observation study of a religious group, which believed that the Earth would be once again destroyed by a flood. Well, when it didn't happen, because I'm assuming they had a specific date in mind. The reactions of the members were quite interesting. The really committed members who gave up their homes, their jobs, and some their families to work for the religious group, reinterpreted the evidence to show that they were right all along. They insisted that it didn't happen because of their faithfulness. Now, less extreme members were more inclined to recognize that they had made fools of themselves and they had the ability to learn from their mistakes and the experience. Cognitive dissonance occurs when one's beliefs do not align with reality. For example, if you believe you can fly and you attempt to fly, I won't go into details, but on all levels, this isn't going to end very good. Personally, I do not think that one should half-step or half-heartedly embrace religion, because then you must ask yourself, if you're not giving it 100%, why are you doing it? It is most often the things that require full commitment in which we see the evidence of genuine spiritual growth. I do believe that while fully committed to whatever venture in life, be it work, family, love relationships, etc., there should always be an element of trust reserved towards the Creator, the one who guides the steps of those who love and respect Him. And this trust recognizes that in our humanness, our human limitations in knowledge and awareness, there is the possibility that we could be wrong. In whatever state of mind you find yourself in, this is why it is extremely significant that you remain humble and not prideful towards your Maker. And I I believe that people come across our paths for a reason and a purpose. And sometimes that reason is to enlighten us or to give us a dose of knowledge that we weren't previously aware of. I think it's safe to say that no human on earth knows everything, and when we speak of the Creator, we know Him to know everything, and that He reveals the truth. It is consistently confirmed with facts, though, not emotions. There are a lot, and I mean a lot of individuals claiming, I know the way to the Creator, I know His way, but they're not walking in it. Well, the original Testament scriptures, what a lot of people refer to as the quote-unquote Old Testament, is in fact the original Testament by which a lot of the major religions build from. It's the foundation of a lot of major religions. Well, in the original testament, it states that the creator strikes the wicked with deception, with falsehood. They believe they know him, when in fact, they don't. And one of the things about deception is, it breeds on the grounds of ignorance. And the roots are oftentimes emotionally based, and not fact-based. So where am I going with this cognitive dissonance thing? 2.3 billion, 2.3 billion guys, are professing members of Christianity. This is uh, phenomenal. There are some who are very lackluster about it, you know, they, they think, yeah, Jesus loves me, he died for me, no matter what I do, I'm going to heaven, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> And there are those who are diehard fans. Jesus is my Lord. I'm going to the jungles of the worst, most dangerous part of the world to starve and die for Jesus. Well, either way, this Christianity has swept across the planet and made a phenomenal impact, not only on our present culture and society, but throughout history. We're talking billions. But not only billions of claimants, but millions of martyrs throughout time. Horrendous deaths and suffering for the sake of the love and message of Jesus, starting with Him and His disciples. Have you heard some of the stories? Sheesh! (laughs) Some people say, well, this just proves that it's the message of God. There's billions of people following it and martyrs and the message stood the test of time. Well, I beg to differ. Did you know that as of today, there are 1.9 billion adherents of Islam? Martyrs? Yes, sir. Message standing the trials of time? Absolutely. It is the second leading religious group on the planet with 24% of the world population identifying themselves as Muslims. And believe me, they will adamantly proclaim that they serve the true God, just as adamantly as the Christians proclaim that they serve the true God. Take note of something though about Christianity, about the members of the Christian faith. The Christian faith contains within itself 30,000 different sects or divisions. One Jesus, 30,000 different alternative teachings. Hmm, this should be a red flag. (laughs) So there's this massive crowd of professing Christians, and most came to Christianity or accepted Christianity, from an emotionally based standpoint. Now, what do I mean by that? You were told something, if you're a professing Christian, chances are you were told something that emotionally moved you. The speaker appealed to your emotions, whether it was through quote-unquote love, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you, quote-unquote fear. Oh, you're going to hell if you reject him and worms are going to eat your brains out. The desire for peace. Maybe you were told that Jesus will give you peace or that he is the Prince of Peace. It was something emotional that moved you to say, you know what, yes, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Listen to what I just said. At some point you said, yes, I'm going to give my life to Christ, and yet it's not yours to give. Your life belongs to the one who gave you life, the one who gave Jesus life. Most will say, I accepted Christ on this such-and-such a day. You accepted Christ to do what? And their response is often well I accepted Christ to be my Savior. Savior from what? From who? You can't say to save you from your sins because you're still sinning. You're still in bondage. To save means to deliver and to set free. In John 8 and 34, Jesus said, Whoever committeth sin is a slave to sin. If you're sinning, you're still in bondage. And every single time you choose to sin, what are you doing? You are breaking the laws of the one who established them. And so who established them? The God of Israel. The Eternal One. And let me tell you, He doesn't take too kindly to that. And so who is Jesus saving you from? (laughs) The God of Israel? Hmm. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. And we're gonna take a look at verses 11 and 13. Verse 11 states, I, even I, am the Eternal One, and beside me there is no Savior. Verse 13 reads, Yea, before the day was, I am He, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? He is letting you know very clearly that even from eternity, I am he, and there is no, catch it, no one, no one who can rescue you from my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? Who can prevent what he has declared? Who can prevent what he has set his will to do? Mm. who is he talking about? Turn to Deuteronomy 32 and 39, and it reads See now that I, even I, am He, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive, I wound and I heal. Neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. Who is He talking to? Who is He talking about? He is directly addressing the wicked the sinners, those who choose to break his laws with awareness. Are you among the many 2.3 billion professing Christians who quote-unquote accepted Christ to save you from the God of Israel? He just said, or I just read to you, that's not gonna happen. Did you hear what he said? The one who created the planet and everything in it, the one who gave you life, the breath by which you are breathing right now this very moment, the one who designed your heart and your ears to listen to the sound of my voice. He said very, very clearly, Beside me, apart from me, in addition to me, there is no savior. This is the eternal one saying this. Apart from him, there is no one else. In addition, There is no addition to him. There is no extra <laughs> next to or apart from him. He is the only savior. And I'm going to hit you with something. Jesus is not the eternal one. Eternal means never experiencing death, never dying, unchanging, immutable, perpetual life, no beginning and no end, no death. Jesus died. At the command of the Eternal One. And what did he say? Beside me, beside meaning at the side of, next to, in addition to, apart from, him. Beside him. He states very clearly, Beside me, there is no Savior. He's the only one. What is a Savior? A person who saves someone from danger. In Christianity, it is defined as Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of sin, and Savior of souls. This is the definition. Now we're entering into <laughs> some cognitive dissonance. Reality number one, did Jesus redeem the Christian from sin, which is breaking the established laws of the God of Israel? No. Welcome to any Christian and ask, do you still sin? And they will answer, yes, everyone sins. (laughs) We're just forgiven sinners. The ones who answer no are still sinning because they are breaking the very first commandment. They worship the creation of the Eternal One. They worship and pray to Jesus. The Eternal One said, don't do that. Reality number two. Is Jesus saving you from the God of Israel? Let's see. In Exodus 23-7, and it states, Keep thee far from a false matter. The innocent and the righteous slay thou not, for I will not justify the wicked. Let's break that up a little bit. Keep thee far away from a false matter, a false charge, Something, something, something that involves, injustice or unfairness. One question. Did Jesus deserve to die? And while you're thinking on that, the second part of the verse is, The innocent and the righteous slay thou not. This is the law. This is the law that the Creator established Do not slay the innocent and the righteous. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous. He will not slay the innocent or the righteous. Why? Because he will not listen to me. This is the last part of the verse. He states clearly, I will not justify the wicked. He will not acquit them. According to the law that the Creator established, every man will give an account for his own deeds. Every man will be held responsible for his own actions, his own choices. This is the fulfillment of the law. What did Jesus say? That he came to fulfill the law. This is the fulfillment of the law. For every man to be responsible or held responsible for his own deeds not to usher in irresponsibility the whole purpose of christianity is to provide a means to be accepted by the god of israel and so what did they tell you that you won't have to suffer the punishment and wrath of the god of israel because he killed jesus for your sins because of what you did jesus died isn't that right If you just believe this, if you just cling to this concept of injustice, the God of Israel will accept you and you'll go to heaven. Well, just because you believe it doesn't make it true. What kind of man seeks to escape justice? I I just want you to think about this for a moment. What do you think of a man who's trying to place his responsibility and punishment on another man. Where's the honor in that? How is that honorable? Ask yourself, is it right for someone else to be punished for what you did? And I know this is getting you because I'm not appealing to your emotions. I'm appealing to your ability to reason with the facts the facts of your conscience that the Creator placed upon every human being. What type of man seeks to escape justice, do justice? And Psalm 10 and 13, turn to that, let's go to that together, Psalm 10 and 13. What type of man? seeks to escape justice. Wherefore do the wicked contemn God? In what way do the wicked contemn the God of Israel? In what way does he provoke or despise the God of Israel in his heart? The scripture states plainly, He hath said in his heart, Thou will not require it. It is the wicked man who says to his maker, You're not going to hold me accountable. You're not going to hold me responsible for my actions. And here's where cognitive dissonance comes in. If you're believing that Jesus brings you peace, but you're taking pills for anxiety, depression, panic, you name it, that's a clash with reality. You're believing something that is not in alignment with what you are factually experiencing. You believe that Jesus is your savior. Let's say your savior from sin. To save means to set free. The original Greek word for save is sozo. To set free. To rescue. To break the chains of bondage, if you will. But here you are, a professing Christian, and you're still sinning. The desire is still there. You can't stop sinning if you still have the desire. That must be broken. So here's another situation where your belief system is clashing with the facts of reality that Jesus is going to save you from the Eternal One, the God of Israel. The God of Israel states that no one can save you from His hand. As a matter of fact, he's stating very clearly that nobody's going to die for you either. Nobody's going to be punished for you. You're the one. You alone are going to be punished or, or rewarded for your own deeds. You will be held responsible for what you have chosen to do with the life that he's given you. You alone will be held responsible before your maker. And so what are you going to do? Are you going to cling to your beliefs that, no, Jesus is my Savior? Are you feeling it yet? Are you feeling that that clash with what you believe and being faced with what the God of Israel has spoken? The Eternal One. In Deuteronomy, he states, He will not slay the innocent for the guilty. Was Jesus innocent? Are you guilty? Do not take this moment for granted. The clock is ticking. This is the Moroccan angel. Do what is right. Always, it matters.